What's better than a college science textbook? It's Science Wednesday on the Weather Jazz Podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything weather, science, earth science, and a ton more. And sometimes we go off topic, typically that's on a Friday, but that can happen at any time. And I am your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio, and this is episode 192 for Wednesday, May 19, 2021. Well, it's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. It is really stunning. This has been a, a really striking week in the sense that we've had very little weather going on. Temperatures have been moderating. Right now here at the Weather Jazz office, it's 82 degrees just after the lunch hour. And the dew point is still well, well below the point at which we start getting uncomfortable. It's currently here 51 a lot of the dew points are basically in the 40s right now. The dew points will start to slowly come up as we head into the weekend, just in case you were wondering. But for the time being, this is really as delightful as you can possibly get in the month of May, which is partially the reason that I started off with all of this information here on this particular episode of Weather Jazz, and most of the time we cover science, and indeed we'll do that, but it'll be weather science in the sense that we have been very, very quiet, and my cat right now has just <laughs> jumped up on my desk, and uh, Frosty, you probably don't want to say too much of anything, do you? No, he just wants a scratch. Oh, yeah, he just woke up from his uh, noontime nap. Looks a little sleepy, but uh, he certainly has been enjoying the weather because in the morning we've been opening things up and listening to all of the birds uh, that are flying, <laughs> flying around, going right past the microphone. All right, thanks, Ross. Thank you for the visit. So today we're going to talk about the quietness of the atmosphere in record form. Now, it's a um, rather interesting record. I've been mentioning and Scott Sable and Melissa Mack and A.J. Colby and Jen Harcher and Beth McLeod. We've all been mentioning how quiet it has been in this specific way. Thus far in this season, since 2021 began, the National Weather Service at Cleveland Hopkins Airport has yet to officially uh, issue a severe thunderstorm warning for any county inside the Cleveland Forecast Office area. And it's uh, a similar story in adjacent National Weather Service offices. For instance, in central Pennsylvania, I saw a tweet on Twitter from the National Weather Service that takes care of central PA. Same thing, except one warning. 
The only warning that was issued so far in 2021 was on May 4th, and it was a tornado warning for central Pennsylvania. No severe thunderstorm warnings yet. So in the state of Ohio, or or at least for the Cleveland weather forecast area, the jurisdiction under which the National Weather Service at Hopkins Airport operates, no severe thunderstorm warnings or severe weather warnings at all since 2021. This is a record. Now, the records go all the way back to 1986. We can tell you the very first severe thunderstorm warning that was issued from 1986 right through 2020. And of course, 2021, it hasn't happened yet. So we're extending this record one day, every quiet day we continue to see. So let's talk about those events. When up until this year was the latest that we had to wait for a severe thunderstorm warning to be issued by the National Weather Service for the counties that Cleveland is responsible for. And the latest, it's actually a tie, two years, 2000 and 2005. And in both of those years, we had to wait until April the 20th for that to occur. The very earliest was actually a year after 2005, which was April the 20th, 2006, we had a severe thunderstorm warning that was actually issued on January the 2nd, which in and of itself is interesting because this tells us that we can actually see a severe thunderstorm warning issued in virtually any month of the year. It can start as early as January. We've had them as late as December. Incidentally, last year, the last severe thunderstorm warning to be issued was on November 15th. So it can happen in November. It can happen in December. Now, chances are it's not going to. It is somewhat unusual to see that, but it can occur. Obviously, the most active months, April, May, and June for severe weather, but we have yet to see a severe thunderstorm warning issued, nor will we today, nor will we going into Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And the first significant risk of any kind of thunderstorm activity, or at least organized, probably won't occur until Monday. It is entirely possible to go the entire month of May without a severe thunderstorm warning or a severe weather warning of any type. And if we do, it's the first time ever we've gone through the entire month of May to wait until June for the first severe thunderstorm warning to be issued. So in over 33 years, 34 years, almost 35 years of records, uh, this is the latest that we've had to wait for a severe thunderstorm warning to be issued. So it's been a very, very quiet year in terms of that. So we'll keep you posted on that record. Again, with every passing day, it's a new record. So this will continue on until we get that first warning. We'll keep you posted right here on Weather Jazz. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, one more little bit of science news. We will head to Iceland. My guess is that you know what we are going to be talking about. That's coming up right after the break. 
Okay, we are back. We're heading up to Iceland, a country that I have always had a fond affection for, even way back when I was a kid. Always wanted to visit Iceland. My first time was in 1987. At the time, I lived in Minnesota, and I had the opportunity to head to Iceland to do a couple of fun human interest stories for KARE, CARE 11 the NBC affiliate in Minneapolis at the time. And it was my first time there. I had a friend in Connecticut, and I asked him, I said, Bob, would you like to join me to go to Iceland? And he's always up for an adventure. And he said, yes. So we met up in Chicago, and then we took an Icelandair flight from Chicago to Reykjavik. Again, that was in March of 1987. Uh, During that trip, the television station funded... A, an interpreter, and he was Adipolk Paulsen was his name, AP for short, and he was a college student at the time, and he was our interpreter. And this is a kind of a side note, side story uh, for what it's worth kind of a thing. Bob Gilmore and I became very good friends with AP. Well, Bob went back to visit AP a number of years later without me, And he went up to visit him. And on that trip, on his trip home, he met a young lady by the name of Suzanne. She was flying from Sweden to the USA. They sat next to each other, talked to each other for a long time, hit it off really big. Well, guess what? (laughs) Those two eventually would be husband and wife. So it's as a result of my trip to Iceland and asking Bob if he wanted to come that eventually it would lead to his meeting his future wife from Sweden, Suzanne. And they have a wonderful family. They live in Connecticut now. And in fact, I'll be seeing Bob at some point. And it's my intention to have Bob on Weather Jazz, maybe an open line Friday, because I'm still working on my new audio studio, and it's coming along, but it's probably still a month or two away from uh, moving into, and I uh, suddenly hit a brick wall today because uh, I had everything that I could possibly put up. I put up, I, I installed, and I suddenly realized I need more acoustic sound paneling. So I'm going to have to get those on order. And that's okay because Bob Gilmore is actually custom building a desk for me, which will go into my studio. And when he drives out, I'm going to have him on Weather Jazz. So, Bob, if you're listening, you are going to be the subject of Weather Jazz, at least one episode, maybe even more than that. So let's talk about Iceland. In a previous episode, I mentioned that uh, no longer do they have the valley of castrated lambs or castrated uh, rams. It's, um, It's an Icelandic word, and most words are broken down into compound or from compound words to mean something. And the valley that the lava was pouring into is now gone. There's no valley anymore. And so the Icelanders had a little bit of a quandary because they couldn't call it the the valley anymore because there was no valley. It's all filled in with all of this lava from the volcano. 
And so they're essentially kind of scrambling and saying, what are we going to call this? So it does have a new name finally, and it comes from the town council in uh, Grindavik, which is the uh, town nearby, the closest one. And it's also the town in which the Blue Lagoon, for those of you that have been to Iceland and been to the Blue Lagoon, it's in Grindavik. And... Um, at any rate, what is the new name? Well, it, uh, as one Icelander put it that I spoke to recently, kind of lacks uh, creativity because before uh, the name change, it was known as Fagradalsvjak, which means, again, it's a compound word. Fagur means fair or beautiful, Dalur means dale or valley, and Fjak means uh, mountain. So basically, it is the beautiful valley mountain. Well, the valley part of it is gone. So now they're calling it Fagradalshrin, which kind of looks like Haran to Americans. Uh, is the word for lava. Okay, Fagradalsrin, which basically means the fair, beautiful uh, valley of lava. So the valley is essentially filled in with lava. So in, in order to kind of put a marker of where it once was, the valley once was, now it is filled in with lava. So it is the valley that is now filled with lava. And so that's where they get the compound word, Fagradalsrun, H-R-A-U-N is the last part of that, which means lava. And on a side note there, too, when my son and I were in Iceland in the summer of 2018, we were there in August, and I discovered at the grocery store, uh, we stayed in a little Airbnb cottage, and the grocery store was no more than a block and a half away. So we would go up to the grocery, grocery store and get what we needed. And I saw this candy bar called H-R-A-U-N, which, again, to me looked like Haran, but it's pronounced Hrun, and uh, that means lava. And when you look at the candy bar, it looks like a piece of lava, uh, except for the milk chocolate. It's a little too light, but if it were made in dark chocolate, it really would look like a piece of lava because it had uh, bits of rice, uh, crisped rice in it and made it look like a chunk of lava. So it's my favorite candy bar. If you ever go to Iceland, Make sure you go to a grocery store and pick up a hrun, which, again, to Americans looks like Haran, H-R-A-U-N, uh, candy bar. Favorite one. It is good stuff. In fact, I'm tempted to order a, a box. I don't eat a lot of candy anymore, uh, really giving it up. and I'm, I'm trying to uh, limit my sweets these days. But if I ever did eat a candy bar, that's the one that I would eat. Boy, that's a long way around the barn to get to what I wanted to talk to you uh, today about. It's about lava, which is essentially knocking at the back door of some of the smaller towns in the Reykjanes Peninsula, which is where the volcano is. Oh, one more note, too. 
Uh, the volcano, uh, at least the most active one now, is no longer Bob or Northy. That one went quiet, and the fissure kind of cracked northward again. And it's volcano, they're calling it number five now. It's the one farthest north. It's volcano number five, and it's the one that every five to seven minutes shoots a geyser of lava shooting up about a thousand feet up into the air and then turns quiet for five or six minutes before another geyser uh, happens so it's uh, it's following a very regular pattern it looks like it'll do that for a while uh, although it was quiet for more than 24 hours uh, before the fifth volcano started uh, shooting lava a thousand feet into the air okay let's get back to the story of lava knocking at the back door. In the last week or so, work has begun uh, and underway. It's, uh, it's going on right now. It's basically to build a protective wall in order to hinder the lava from the volcano flowing in a direction towards a road, a road which is uh, one of the main roads in the Reykjanes Peninsula. And they want to stop the lava or prevent the lava from basically overrunning the road because it's it's one of the main arteries that feeds the Reykjanes Peninsula. And so this wall consists of large soil hills. I'm going to post a picture on the show notes, weatherjazz.com, episode number 192. Go check it out. It's a photo uh, very likely from a drone perspective, looking back at what's happening. They brought in a lot of heavy equipment, and this heavy equipment is designed to take earth and to build it up so as to deflect the lava's movement. So it's really a battle against what they're calling a sizzling enemy. It's slow moving, yes, but it's still moving, and it would eventually take over anything that it moved toward and they want to prevent it from hitting the road unfortunately the walls don't seem to be enough according to the civil protection agency of iceland and they wanted an immediate action order to raise the height from it's a fascinating project we'll continue to keep you posted on what happens but right now they're going to build it up to eight meters and uh, that should at least delay the process if not completely inhibit the process of the lava reaching that very important road in southwest iceland we will keep you posted on everything well i hope you enjoyed today's episode of weather jazz and i would really appreciate if you would help to spread the word about this podcast especially to anybody that is interested in the sciences weather science earth science and even some of the crazy off-topic things that we talk about most of the time on open line friday special thanks to those of you that continue to partner to support weather jazz from Tennessee, Andrea Rich. From Florida, Bill Martin. From Ohio, Rose Moore, Christine Barnes, Will Antonia Krauss, and Dale Osborne. And from Vermont, Victoria Singer. And yes, I would love to add your name to that list, and it's easy to become a supporter. You'll find the links at the bottom of every episode's show notes, and you can partner at any one of three levels 
Lowest is only 99 cents a month. And I'll tell you what, even 99 cents a month is just a wonderful gift. And it is so appreciated. It just... Uh, it just gets me going so that I can produce more episodes and perhaps even uh, more frequently in between the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes whenever something does come up. Hey, do you have a question or a topic suggestion? I welcome your input. You can reach me at weatherjazz at yahoo.com. And now also via the voicemail line at the Weather Jazz Podcast Audience Connect line. It's 234-525-5888, 234-525-5888. That's my preferred method. I like to hear your voice, and I might even use whatever you uh, leave me there for a future episode. All right, uh, when we come back on Friday, what's happening? I believe we are going to have a special guest from Central Virginia. He's a television meteorologist, but more importantly, he is a fellow classmate of Linden State College, now known as the University of Northern Vermont at Linden. Received his meteorology degree there well after me, obviously. He's a young fellow, but he works at a TV station in Central Virginia, and we're going to talk to him Uh, Because, uh, as I found out recently, he grew up in the town next to me. I grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he grew up in Attleboro, which is really a stone's throw from New Bedford, less than a 15-minute drive from where I live. So once I heard that, I I reached out to uh, this gentleman. His name is Leo Hurstbrunner, and he will be joining me, hopefully, for the Friday edition of Weather Jazz Open Line Friday. So we will see you then right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe. The Weather Jazz Podcast.